Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to Dialed In. I'm Tom Brenneman. Thanks so much for joining us. Episode number five of our show. As always, we thank our producer, engineer Dave Armbruster. We started, of course, with Urban Meyer. Then on to Brian Billick. Next up was Hall of Famer Troy Aikman. Then last week, it was Chris Ciccinelli. I'd like to thank all of you who have been so complimentary about our program so far. We're certainly trying to get it right and getting better and better every week, we hope and pray. This week, we're diving into baseball. Now, it's obviously early for that. We're still a solid month and a half away or three weeks away from the start of spring training, but really it's all about timing on this show. And this week's guest is Dusty Baker manager of the Houston Astros. Last week, he was one of 50 people inside the Friendship Baptist Church in Atlanta for the funeral of his former teammate and dear friend, the great Hank Aaron. We will talk about that day. We will talk about the advent of the high five, Dusty Baker's managerial career, and race next on Dialed In. Since 1882, Children's Home of Northern Kentucky has been a lifeline for children and families in crisis. Now known as CHNK Behavioral Health, its team of doctors, nurses, and therapists impacts nearly 4,000 kids and families every year. An array of mental health services including counseling, addiction treatment, and psychiatric residential care. CHNK also continues to care for abused and neglected youth who are in the state's custody. Right now, CHNK Behavioral Health is offering a free 10-minute conversation with a clinical therapist to help families dealing with the increased pressures caused by the ongoing pandemic. Visit www.chnk.org for more details or for the free conversation with a therapist, call one 844 Y-E-S-C-H-N-K. Living with Change is a nonprofit organization supporting transgender youth and their families. Transgender youth face higher rates of violence, victimization, substance abuse, suicide risk, and homelessness, but have few resources to help deal with those issues. To combat those numbers and in partnership with Cincinnati's Children's Hospital, LWC created with Living with Change Center for Gender Health serving more transgender patients and families than any other center in the Midwest. For more, please log on to livingwithchange.org. Dusty Baker was born in Riverside, California in 1949. Man, that's hard to believe how time flies. He attended Del Campo High School in Sacramento, California, was drafted by the Atlanta Braves in 1967. He made his major league debut with Atlanta in 1968, served in the U.S. military. Yes, that's right, the Marine Corps, from 1969 to 1975. Nineteen years of brilliant career on the field, primarily with the Braves and the L.A. Dodgers. He helped lead the Dodgers to pennants in 77 and 78 and to the World Series championship in 1981. He has managed for the San Francisco Giants, the Chicago Cubs, the Cincinnati Reds, Washington Nationals, is currently the manager of the Houston Astros. He is the first and only Major League Baseball manager to lead five different teams to the playoffs. He is a husband to Melissa and the father of two children. Dusty Baker, what did I just miss that you're most proud of? Uh, 
I don't know. To tell you the truth, um, probably, um, you know, during my playing career, um, probably never going on the disabled list, I would say, because yep. Hank Aaron used to tell us, to, hey, you find a way to play. And, uh, you know, as a, as a man, probably, uh, you know, uh, perseverance. You know, when I think of perseverance, I think of like Thomas Edison. Um, you know, he tried over a thousand times to come up with the light bulb. And, uh, you know, I mean, perseverance, you know, they say breeds, breeds, uh, hope and hope, uh, uh, you know, breeds, uh, excellence. Uh, I don't know if I said that right, but that's how I feel. And just, uh, you know, just, uh, to try to, you know, do the right thing, you know, uh, uh, you know, most of the time and try to, you know, live the way that my dad, um, you know, and Hank Aaron and those that preceded me would want me to live. And, um, you know, I think, uh, you know, hopefully that they're, that they're proud of me, uh, at the moment, but I'm not there yet. You just mentioned Hank Aaron. You were blessed enough, privileged enough to be one of 50 people, uh, inside the church, a Baptist church there in, in Atlanta for Henry Aaron's funeral last week. Uh, it had to have been an extremely emotional time for you. Uh, you knew the ball player, Hank Aaron. Yes, you were in the on-deck circle when he hit number 715 down at Fulton County Stadium to break the all-time home run record. But, Dusty, you knew Hank Aaron, the man. Talk about Hank Aaron, the man, that we never knew or or, or that we don't know and never will know. Well, you know, there's a lot. I mean, that's happened over the 50 years that I've known him, 53 or something years that I've known him. Uh, you know, he, uh, was responsible. Well, you know, he made up my mind for me to, you know, to sign a professional contract. Um, I was on the way to Santa Clara. Uh, I really didn't want to go there, but I wanted to play basketball. My dad wanted me to go there. I wanted to go to ASU or, or somewhere where I wouldn't have to study so hard and a little more of a party <laughs> school, but my dad knew his son. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, he promised, uh, you know, the Dodgers, I'm sorry, the Giants, I got my teams mixed up. The Braves, uh, you know, flew me to L.A., me and my mom. And I think they knew that I was a Dodger fan. Tommy Davis was my hero. And uh, they worked me out at Dodger Stadium. Uh, And I was just two weeks away from going to Santa Clara, and I was trying to make up my mind what to do. First, I didn't know which sport to play because I played them all trying to be like Bobby Bonds. And uh, then, uh, you know, basketball was my first love probably, and, Baseball was probably last. And, uh, you know, uh, I prayed the night of the draft that, you know, I wouldn't get drafted by the Atlanta Braves because I didn't want to go to the South. And that was the situation, uh, you know, in the South at that time, especially all over the country, Berkeley included, where they're, you know, they're having riots. Uh, You know, there was, uh, you know, freedom marches, which, you know, didn't bother me as much. But when I saw, you know, uh, Lester Maddox and, and George Wallace and, all the uh, uh, people with the dogs and, mm-hmm. the, you know, you know, police brutality. I was like, man, I don't have a chance if I go there coming from, especially coming from California. But that was uh, the best thing that ever happened to me. Uh, you know, going to the South, uh, meeting Hank Aaron. He promised my mother that he would take care of me as if I was his son. And, uh, you know, a lot of people don't know is that he's a great family man. Uh, you know, he's, a, you know, great in the, in the community. You know, he loves children. You know, he loves to laugh. And he's uh, probably one of the most responsible um, people that I know. 
You know, I mean, he reminded me of my dad. I mean, he took care of, you know, everyone. He was unselfish. Uh, you know, he was extremely modest externally, you know, internally. Um, you know, I mean, he was as confident as any man that I, I've ever met and that he was driven. Uh, and, and, you know, the more that you, uh, you know, the more stuff that you gave him, uh, uh, adversely and negatively, the more he responded positively and, and put it, uh, you know, to, uh, you know, to use, uh, in, in, in you know, motivation and excellence. And, uh, the thing about it is, you know, like he was an excellent businessman. I mean, he was yes. everything that he, he did. He tried to, you know, he tried to be the, uh, the best. Uh, he was strong in his convictions. Uh, you know, he didn't care if you liked it or didn't like it. And, you know, he was quiet sometimes, uh, to, uh, to the public, but I mean, he was a joker. I mean, he, he loved to, you know, he loved to laugh. And, uh, the thing about him is that, uh, you know, he was consistent. You knew he was getting, uh, from day to day and, uh, from the top of the hour to the bottom of the hour. You know, Dusty, you brought up, uh, you know, the, 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 the pictures and, and, you know, they're all in black and white for so many of us, uh, uh, you know, who were roughly the same age and, and, you know, what was going on in the South and, you know, here you are at the other end of the world in California and the racial strife inside the country, um, you just said you didn't want to go to the South. When you got there, I'm sure that Hank and many, many others who you had a chance to meet shared their stories of what it was really, really like. When you got there, what what was it like for you at that point in the late 60s, early 70s in Atlanta? Well, I mean, it was it was different than where I was from. Yeah. But it was similar in a lot of ways. And, you know, out here in California, it was just sort of masked uh, 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 a lot. You know, and, and when I got there, it was kind of in your face. And it was almost easier to deal in your face than to try to figure out who had a mask on. And, uh, uh, you know, when I got there, um, I was fortunate, like I said, I, being the big leagues at 19 years old, I was there at 20, 21, and then to stay finally at 22. But I was over Hank's house almost daily. You know, like I was with Hank when he went to his, uh, you know, through his divorce. Ralph and I were always with him. We were with him when he, when uh, Billy was his girlfriend and he took us over her house to, you know, for, you know, a sign of approval kind of. And, uh, and I was closer to his kid's age, uh, you know, than I was to him. You know, I was 15 years younger than sure. him and I was, but nine to 10, 12 years, uh, you know, while they were in the house, uh, the older people in the house, you know, uh, you know, probably having a scotch or a beer. I was outside playing basketball with his kids <laughs> or playing jacks with the, with his daughters. And so, uh, you know, I got to be very, very, uh, 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 you know, close to his daughters. But the thing that, that, that really impressed me, my mother was a African American teacher at the, at the, at Sacramento City College. And, uh, you know, she had all, all, all the books, uh, you know, from, uh, Martin Luther King to, to Malcolm X to Angela Davis to, you know, to, you know, whoever the civic leaders were at that time. And, and here I was a young kid meeting these people sure. through Hank Aaron. And, uh, you know, I saw Andrew Young, who I met when I was a kid at, at you know, at Hank's uh, services, you know, got to be with Jesse Jackson and got to be with Cecil Williams and uh, Ted Abernathy. And about the only one I didn't meet at the time was was Martin Luther King because he was killed early, I think, in, in 1968. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I really had no clue of, of, of how fortunate I was to be walking 
uh, you know, with this man, um, you know, through history. And uh, now that I look back upon it, you know, uh, I, I'm, I'm so fortunate that, you know, it, it helped shape me and mold me, you know, to the person that I am. And, uh, you know, you couldn't have chosen a better person, uh, you know, to take my dad's place. And then I had an uncle in San Diego, Uncle Floyd. I was close with him, but Orlando Cepeda ended up being kind of like my uncle. Mm-hmm. And uh, all these guys, they, I mean, they, they took me on their wing. I mean, I was there as a kid with the Philippe Alou and Joe Torre and, 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 uh, uh, Rico Cardi and Felix Mian and, 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 and these guys, uh, Cleet Boyer. I mean, they all took care of me and my nickname was the kid. I, I didn't even know I had a name until <laughs> I got a little older. And so, uh, you know, when I look back, um, I was actually chosen to be in that situation and, and in my life, most of the things that I didn't want to do, uh, I've just kind of learned to, 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 you know, to do God's will versus trying to fight it because it ended up being the best thing that ever happened to me in, in many areas. There was a show done about the advent of the high five, uh, 30 for 30 on ESPN. And, and many mm-hmm. say that you played an integral role, uh, part in the first ever high five with your teammate Glenn Burke in October of 1977. Now, I'm not going to ask you if it happened because everybody knows it happened. It did. Right. But, but, but did you recall how it happened? Was it spontaneous? Had you guys kind of fooled around with it in the locker room? Anything? No, these guys, they choreograph stuff now. <laughs> I know they do. That's why I ask. Yeah, exactly. You cover a lot of football. I'm sure they go yeah. these steps over and over and over, but it was spontaneous. I mean, it was a situation – where Reggie Smith had told uh, J.R. Richard on a Thursday, we had a four-game series that I was going to hit it off of him on a Sunday. And and J.R. was my nemesis, man. I never hit a home run off of J.R. And uh, um, uh, Reggie told him I was going to hit it off of him. And then uh, I, I hit a line drive to left, my first at bat. It was the last game. And then the next time I foul tipped the ball into the catcher's glove, and I came back to the dugout. And uh, I was talking to myself. And I told, uh, and Tom Lasorda heard me, and I said, man, I don't think I'm going to get it. And there were some dudes sitting in the front row over the dugout, and they were gambling. And they were, one guy was gambling, I could tell, because when I struck out, the other guy gave him like 100 bucks or whatever <laughs> it was. And honest. And so, so now uh, Tom Lasorda says, hey, Dusty, you got to have faith. And, uh, the, you know, the children of Israel were you know, over by the Lord parted the Red Sea. And I'm like, Tommy, okay, man, that's enough. I believe, you know what I mean? So, <laughs> yeah. So I went up there in my third at bat, and the ball looked like it stopped. And I imagine that's how Hank Aaron must have looked like, you know, through supreme concentration uh, a thousand times, and um, at least uh, 700 and something times. Yeah, and then, right. yeah, the ball stopped. And it was a 100-mile-an-hour fastball. It stopped on the outside part of the plate. I hit it over the center field fence. I gave Jim Gilliam five going around first base. And when I came uh, to home plate, uh, you know, um, you know, there was Manny Mota and then Glenn Burke was, I think he was hitting behind me, I think, and he threw his hands up and I threw mine up. And, uh, you know, uh, you know, a lot of people want to give me credit for it, but I give it to Glenn. All I did was reciprocate to what Glenn was doing. And, um, uh, you know, Glenn, you know, was my partner. And, uh, you know, he was the first openly gay baseball player to admit that he was, was gay. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, like I got a special spot in my heart. 
you know, for him. And then we turned around. He hugged me, I hugged him. We turned around, and then the other guy threw some money on the dugout. <laughs> those two guys sitting in the front row. <laughs> he threw the money on the dugout and left the stadium. You know what I mean? That's awesome. I was like, good night and go home. But, absolutely, absolutely. Um, want to talk about your managerial career. It, it, it's been an amazing run, Dusty. I mean, you're closing in on 1,900 wins, five different teams, winning percentage over 530. Uh, ten times you've been to the playoffs. Mentioned you're the only manager ever to take five different teams to the playoffs. The San Francisco Giants is your first managerial job. And eventually after building that team up, 2002 you get to the World Series and you lose in that heartbreaking series to the Anaheim Angels. Then all of a sudden you're not the manager of the Giants anymore. Why did that happen and did it have to happen? Should it have happened? Well, I think it had to happen, I think, um, because and so you were the first person, I mean, that's ever asked me about that. And, uh, uh, you know, Bill Walsh was a, you know, was one of my mentors, uh, when I first started coaching and then when I got into managing and I used to go over Bill's house all the time. And, uh, and I talked to an executive the other day, not going to mention his name, who's also a Bill Walsh fan. And people ask him why he left the team. And, and he left the same reason that I left because Bill said, uh, had told me that Dusty, um, after 10 years in an organization, usually as a manager or coach, uh, you know, then it's time, time to leave because, uh, guys are, aren't going to hear your same message. Uh, it's hard to come up with new material. There are things about you that they don't, that upstairs may not like and vice versa. And I had been with the Giants. 15 years, that was a tough decision. That was a real tough decision. And, um, you know, my wife and I talked about it, and, and she told me, as much as you love San Francisco, you grew up here and you love the Giants, you know, like you're not, you know, very happy at the moment. And I had been there five years as a coach, and then they changed ownership, and then I was there 10 years as a manager. So at that time, you know, I, I, I believed in what Bill, I still do what Bill Walsh, uh, you know, it told me because most guys don't last that long. And I've never lasted that long, uh, you know, since I left. Mm-hmm. And I remember Al Rosen, when I when I first took the job, Al Rosen told me that managers are made to be fired. And uh, and I was like, no, hired to be fired. And I'm like, not me. You know, I didn't think sure, that would ever happen sure. to me. And, uh, you know, I'm not real proud of, uh, of managing five different clubs because there are a couple clubs that it really kind of broke my heart, you know, that I was not, uh, you know, they said I wasn't fired. I was fired really in Cincinnati and I, and, and I wasn't renewed, which is the same thing in Chicago. And I wasn't renewed as the same thing in, 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 in Washington. Mm-hmm. And so like, I wish I hadn't had to move around that, that long, but I had a job and, uh, and I was, uh, I had a, a very good job and I was, I was wanted by, by people. Sure. It's always, uh, um, it's a warm feeling, you know, to be wanted and the fact that, you know, you're at the mercy of, of, of other people when it comes to hiring. So uh, I've had a great career. Uh, but, but I mean, I believe that the Lord called me back here in this impossible situation. I didn't ever think I'd ever have a, another opportunity, a job, uh, of, of this caliber with, I mean, with the, you know, with the, you know, with a good team sure. because the other teams I inherited were, were second division teams and I inherited them. And, 
And then when I got to Washington, boy, we had a good team. And now that I'm in, in, uh, uh, in Houston, you know, we have a very good team. So I, I've always believed that if I win one, I win two. And that's where it goes back to that perseverance and, and Thomas Edison. And I, I, I believe in the bottom of my heart that, hey, man, time's running out for me. And so, but I've always been a crammer. Even in college, <laughs> we talk, oh, I, mean, I know I all about cramming. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's all about cramming. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, sometimes you you wait till the last minute, and it's the last. It's not the last minute, but it's the last hour for me. You go to the Cubs uh, your first year, 2003. So here it is a year later after you take the Giants to the World Series. And and I don't want to relive the whole 2003 LCS Mm -hmm. against the Marlins. Uh, I did that series. Um, It was such an exciting series, heartbreaking series for you and the – and the millions right. and millions of Cub fans. One question I've always wanted to ask you, and and I I don't know if anybody else ever has. I'm sure they have. Um, you know, uh, everybody knows about Game Six and the Steve Bartman situation, and on and on and on and on. Right. But the play of that inning, and, and you tell me if you disagree. I mean, because you're right there living, and I'm just trying to broadcast it. Right. But the ball goes right. through. Alex Gonzalez legs, and he's as sure-handed a defender as any shortstop in the league at that time. They they score sure eight was. runs in the inning, and 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 you guys lose a game, then you lose game seven. Did you talk to yeah. Alex Gonzalez that night after the game? No, because I know how he felt. I mean, we've all been there, and uh, I probably did. But I mean, I probably put my arm around him. But I mean, that was the inning-ending double play with bases loaded. Yeah, and uh, um, but I mean. I mean, these things happen. I mean, I felt the, as badly for him as I felt for my teammate and buddy, you know, who's deceased, Bill Buckner, when I saw that ball sure. go through his leg. Sure. And in and, and New York, and that, and it seems like that's what you're known for. I mean, Alex was as, as sure-handed. As, I mean, if there was a ball hit to the infield, you wanted hit to Alex. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I, I mean, you know, when these things happen, you can't, Believe it. I know a lot of people ask me, hey, man, why'd you stick with prior this long or why'd you stick, stick with, uh, you know, Kerry Wood? It, it's simply because, you know, I didn't have the bullpen that I, that I would have needed at that time. If I had somebody better to go to, I, I would have went to them. But sometimes, I mean, you're at the mercy of who you have and you hope that they do the job. And that's the thing about managing is that you're at the mercy of, of, of how the players perform yep. and you are judged on, on how they perform. I mean, granted, I put them in a situation where you're, where you're trying to put them in a situation to succeed. Uh, and, and after that, it's kind of out of your control. And, uh, um, you know, I mean, these guys are trying their hard. I mean, if, if, if there was one time I really, really, really wanted to go to the world series is when I was in Chicago, I wanted to be the first guy, um, you know, to take the Cubs to the World Series, mm-hmm. and, you know, you know all the all the dates. But yeah. also, I wanted to be to go to the World Series two different years with two different teams. Yeah, you know. Uh, now, now, you know how we'd have done at that time. I mean, we were out of gas. Pryor was out of gas. Wood was out of gas. Uh, but uh, uh, I, I, you know, I sure, you know, would have wanted the chance to. To, to try to bring a championship to Chicago. Those two years, Dusty, you managed two of the great sluggers in the history of all time, in the history of the game. Oh, yeah. uh, Barry Bonds, who you knew since he was basically born, uh, very close mm-hmm. with his dad, Bobby, worked with him, played with him, uh, and Sammy Sosa. Do you believe mm-hmm. uh, they will one day get into the Baseball Hall of Fame, or should they get into the Baseball Hall of Fame? 
That's a good question. I mean, I, I hope they get into the Baseball Hall of Fame because they meant a lot to baseball. I mean, I mean, these guys had people glued to their seats. I mean, uh, you know, you didn't want to miss – you didn't go to the bathroom and Sammy Sosa or Barry Bonds were at the place. You're right and, about that. Or, exactly. I mean, hey, man, you can be, like, jumping up and down. You got to go to the bathroom, but you don't want to miss this at bat. And the same thing can be said about Mark McGuire at that time. That's right. And, you know – uh, they probably won't get in by the writers, I don't think, but they should get in by the, you know, by the, uh, you know, by the committee at some point in time because these guys, I mean, I mean, they were the best of that era, maybe the best uh, in a top five or six of all time. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, when you look at these guys, um, you know, the Hall of Fame is full of guys that weren't necessarily angels. Okay, the only one that's that's admitted. Whatever was going on was Mark McGuire. Okay, so he admitted, and he and he didn't get in. Uh, you know, there's a lot of speculation about Barry and a lot of speculation about Sammy, but there's speculation about about a lot of guys. Yeah, and some of these guys that they had speculation about are still in the are are indeed in the Hall of Fame. That's right. You know, right now, and so uh, uh, who's to say? You know, I th- I thought you were. Innocent until proven guilty, but when it comes to doing the steroid era, you're guilty until you prove yourself innocent, That's which right. probably will never happen. So, I mean, I, I, I talked to Barry just yesterday, and, uh, and and we talked about that that very thing. And, uh, you know, he says that, you know, it really doesn't matter to him, but I know it does matter to him because, you know, Barry was the best at that time. Yes, and, he and was. Also, and also, you know, what he told me, that, that, you know, he knows, I mean, you know when you're the best, you know, and so uh, that's the thing that you have to live with uh, and and go to your grave with knowing that you were the best ball player. And and, and people don't know. Femi Sosa, Barry Bonds, Mark McGuire, these guys worked, 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 and worked. I mean, I mean, when I talked to Barry yesterday, he was working out. You know, he said, I'll call you back, man. I'm working out. And see uh, – uh, you know these guys put in hours upon hours of of of, of work, and I'm just hoping that uh, you know someday that 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 they'll be forgiven, even though they haven't been been proven guilty. Uh, a, a lot of them that that someday they'll get into the hall. You go to Cincinnati, baseball's oldest franchise, and you take a team to the playoffs three of your last four years there, starting in 2010. Uh, it's also the smallest market by far you've ever managed in. San Francisco, Chicago, mm-hmm. then later Washington, D.C., and Houston. Uh, is there a significant difference being the manager in a big market city compared to your experience in a smaller market city like Cincinnati? Yeah, there is. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of difference. But um, I enjoyed Cincinnati. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm more of a small-town guy than I am a New York City guy. I mean, I can go. I can go to visit New York City and have a heck of a time, but I don't know if I could live there or even want to manage there. You know, I mean, that's that's a lot of scrutiny and it's a lot of, you know, it's a lot of pressures, a lot of temptation, you know, for us all. And you know, being from Riverside and being from Sacramento, which is larger than Riverside, uh, it's, uh, I mean, I'm kind of a kind of a small town guy, you know. And uh, and 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 quite honestly, you know, my son to this day says that, that Cincinnati, you know, he wasn't old enough to really know San Francisco. Sure. But he said that Cincinnati was his favorite town. Mm. 
And, uh, I mean, that shocked me. I mean, it, uh, he liked the players. He loved being around Joey Votto. He loved being around Jay Bruce. I mean, Brandon Phillips, he still talks to these guys, you know, today. And, and see, I didn't, I wasn't ready to leave Cincinnati. And, uh, you know, part of that might have been my fault because sometimes, you know, you say some things and I said some things to ownership that, you know, if you don't sign this guy or, or if you get rid of that guy, you, you might as well get rid of me too. And then guess what? <laughs> they got rid of me too. You know yeah, that's I mean? right. So, that's right. <laughs> so, you know, you don't, uh, uh, you know, sometimes you learn a lesson that you don't, it's hard to give the, uh, you know, the boss any kind of ultimatum because that's why he's the boss. That's right. You know what I mean? And, uh, and sometimes you'll cut your nose off to spite your face, but you know, I wanted to win in Cincinnati, uh, you know, as well. And, uh, you know, you know, they were good to me. Uh, uh, I mean, you know, they, Mr. Castellini really, really wanted me. And, uh, I was sorry that, you know, how things ended, but sometimes it's like, you know, you're in love, uh, you know, right before you get divorced. And, uh, and, and that's what it's like that, you know, to be fired, it's kind of like, it's a love affair that, 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 you know, that goes bad and, and then you end up, uh, being divorced and then hopefully you end up friends, uh, before you die. I got to tell you, though, Dusty, uh, the, the Nationals thing, though, more than any of them to me is the head scratcher. You know, I, I understand when you were talking about Bill Walsh and the 10 years and, you know, you, yep. you maybe start to lose your voice and, you know, the Cub thing, you know, you had the big yep. run the first year, you have a bunch of injuries and things didn't end maybe the last year or two you wanted it to go. Mm-hmm. The Cincinnati thing, I, I, I still scratch my head over that one, although I think you're being far too kind. Because, you know, I, I can say, you don't have to say it, I can say that, uh, you know, I, I think that you were loyal, and I'm never going to say loyal to a fault. I don't, like that, I don't like that term when people say that. But you were right. very, very loyal to the people who worked with you. And I think ultimately mm-hmm. that may have been what happened when all is said and done. Not Dusty Baker, but asking Dusty Baker to do something else. But the Washington well, Nationals said, job. It is a lot more eloquently than I can say. Well, I believe me, and, I, and I'm not asking you to say it. That's not my job here because I, I think there are too many other things to talk about. But, you know, the Nationals one, though, for me, Dusty, is the one where uh, of, of the others I say, how in the hell can this happen? 95 games you win the first year. You win 97 games the next year, and you're gone. Right. I mean, well, you know, I mean is there any hurt. way to explain that? No, not really. You know, the thing that hurt is that is that it took a week to tell me um, that they didn't want me back. Because I stuck around for a week after the season. I was ready to go home to find out, you know, where we're going to start negotiating uh, an extension, and I stuck around a week, and then and then I got back home on a Friday. Then I got a call in the morning, early in the morning on on Saturday. Now that's the thing that kind of hurt is that I was always taught to you know to face a man oh, yeah. like a man versus you call him on the phone. Yep, and uh, you know that hurt. I mean that one hurt because not only did I like the players, uh, you know I love working with you know with Rizzo and, and Bob Miller. I loved my staff. I, I had a very diverse staff, and I loved Washington D.C. Uh, um, uh, outside of San Francisco, uh, I mean, and they were coming on fast. I loved Washington D.C. Yeah. You know, I lived in Old Town, Virginia. Uh, I, you know, I liked the uh, the, the uh, you know the racial diversity. I liked the educational level. 
you know, I like the blending of the North and the South. I like uh, the fact that, uh, you know, you go downtown or in the district, you had to wait for somebody to open their mouth to, to, to see where they were from. You know, I mean, you see somebody that was white speaking Spanish and you see somebody black that was speaking French. And I was like, man, this is my kind of, this is my kind of town. And, uh, um, again, uh, you know, I kind of, uh, you know, might have said some things because I thought I was underpaid. And, uh, you know, that's one reason they hired me, I think, is because Buddy Black, you know, was going to be underpaid even more. And so Buddy uh, turned down the job. I wasn't their first choice. And then, and then, okay, uh, you know, I didn't know why, but I wasn't. And so I kind of made that same mistake again where you, when you give ultimatum kind of when I said, Hey, I'm not coming back with the same, uh, uh, salary. And, uh, you know, I've always been a guy, you know, I earn my, I earn my salary, but I'm not cheap. You know, I've never been cheap and I have a pretty high esteem, I mean, self esteem of, of my value. And, um, you know, that one really, really did hurt because I, I just, I mean, my wife, she told me when I got back home, I was like a, I had lost his favorite dog mm. for a couple of weeks. And then it took me two years, you know, to get another opportunity. Uh, and then I was like, you know, what do I have to do? I mean, I've lost probably six years of, 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 of earning power. And probably I figured it out one day, you, you know, you're trying to think about things that you might have lost. And that's a dangerous thing to do. Uh, at, at least about 500 victories, you know, had I managed straight, straight through. Sure. But. On the other hand, I, I look at it in, in a real sense that those six years I was out, my daughter got married uh, in a tree uh, in the backyard, which she always wanted to get married when she was a little girl. Mm-hmm. So uh, that was a positive. Then I was here for my son to watch him play ball for a couple of years, and then I saw him graduate. I was there at his graduation. Then I was here you know, for my dad's uh, uh, death because he had a – you know, a, a, a terrible death, uh, you know, by dementia. And I was here with him. And then, and then my brother, who was a man depressed, I was here, you know, you know, for his death. And, um, so, uh, you know, it, it wasn't all for naught. And, uh, I like to think back, like, like, like maybe I wasn't supposed to be there. You know what I mean? And maybe mm-hmm. I'm supposed to be here and, yep. uh, I'm supposed to win it now. And so, uh, you know, you always think about, you know, things that you lost, but I got to think about, uh, you know, things that I gained. Only got uh, time for a couple of more questions here with Dusty Baker, kind enough to join us on Dialed In with Tom Brenneman. Um, you know, I, I've been around uh, a lot of baseball people, uh, a lot of baseball managers, a lot of NFL head coaches, uh, a lot of college football, uber successful head coaches. And it's always interesting to me when the topic comes up about how you handle players. You've always been labeled as a quote-unquote players manager, whatever that means. Um, Thank you. But, 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 and I know, you, I know you take that as a compliment because you take pride in that. But I guess what I'm asking you, Dusty, is, and everybody has a different philosophy on this, but would you treat the star player different than the 24th, 25th guy on the team? Do they earn the right to be treated differently? Well, yeah, that's a good question. Because you know something, um, uh, 
you can't tell me that 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 Michael Jordan wasn't treated any differently than, <laughs> I than don't get. Got other guys on the team. Right. And uh, 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 you know, I learned that you know when I was a kid with the Braves, I went out with Hank Aaron, Rico Cardi, uh, Lando no uh, uh, Joe Torre, Bob Tillman. And so we were in San Francisco. I was thinking, that was my first call-up or, or second call-up. And so I'm out with those guys, Felipe Lou, and it was, uh, we had a curfew. It was like uh, two minutes to, no, it was five minutes to 12, and we had a curfew at 12 o'clock. So Hank told me and Ralph, he says, man, you better go in. I said, hey, what about you guys? He goes, <laughs> oh, you know, we're coming. So I get to the hotel. And there was Coach uh, Jim Busby at the at the door, and so he's checking guys off right as they come in the door. So you know I'm near the top, Baker. So I look on there on the list. Aaron's checked off, or Lou's checked off, Tori's <laughs> checked off, and I was like, "That is man, great." I, I swear, I'm like, man, these guys must have found a shortcut or something. You know, I'm like, I think they got so the next day I asked them, I said, "Man, how'd you guys get back so soon?" And they told me, they said, "Look, son, you learn." That the better you hit, the quicker you'll get checked off. <laughs> and so, uh, and Thomas Sorter treated, uh, you know, us a little different. Uh, myself, Reggie Smith, uh, Steve Garvey. Um, but, uh, you know, you can bend the rules. And the other players understand that because they understand sure who the they stars do. are. Sure. But, but don't, don't break the rules and don't, and don't do it blatantly and, 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 and in front of others where, where it's going to put pressure on me. To have to discipline you in front of in front of everybody else, and so uh, you know, like I said, I learned that lesson, you know, a long, long time ago. You and you asked me about uh, you know being a player's manager. I think there's only one way to be. You know what I mean? I mean, what is the antithesis of of of, of a player's manager? Is that uh, I've never heard that that terminology. And and without the players, I don't have a job. And without the players, uh, uh, I can't keep a job. And so, uh, you know, to me, you have to have enough respect from the players, respect the players, but also uh, uh, have everybody realize that, hey, man, I am the boss. I'm the final word without without pushing your weight around because everybody knows who the head coach is. I mean, these guys have been head coaches since they were kids, mm-hmm. and they will try you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Sure. It's like a kids will try you. So, uh, is this a situation where where I try to show them love and respect, but also discipline at the same time? Because my dad and the great coaches that I've had in my in my life have always told me that love love is discipline. Um, I'll, I mean, I'll, I'll say it, you know, straight out because uh, you know my dad and I, who and you know my dad very well. You're very close friends with my father, right. Marty Brenneman, and we were talking earlier today, and, and we both agree that um, you know there's no doubt in our mind. Uh, in many others' minds as well, the Dusty Baker is a Hall of Fame manager. No question about it. Do you feel like, Dusty, that 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 you have to win a World Series to be in the Hall of Fame as a manager? You personally. Never thought about it, really. I just think about that. I'm Come on, it. man. Come on. You just said I'm earlier serious. that Barry Bonds said he didn't care about getting in the Hall of Fame, and you yeah, said you knew that was BS. That. Now, come on. Okay, listen. I never thought about Going to the Hall of Fame until other people start okay. talking. Okay, right. okay, that okay, I got it. okay. All right, my bad. I, I, I'm serious about that. You know, like like I know that I'm a winner, and I know I've been a winner since I was a little kid. You know what I mean? It's like 
I don't know how my teams win or whether you're playing basketball, football, pickup games, or baseball or whatever. Some kind of way, my teams win. You know what I mean? Or the teams that I'm on. Yeah, because, I was on the, all the other team daughter, getting my tail kicked all the time by guys like you. I get it. <laughs> yeah, I, got I remember it. my daughter, we were playing uh, jacks or something. And we played these games. And she was like seven, eight years old. She said, Dad, why, why must you win all the time? And I, I and it stumped me. And I said, "Well, because I'm supposed to." She says, "Dad, that's no answer. You know how kids are. Why? Why?" So I was like, "Look, let me tell you, I'm, I'm, I'm. Nobody in life is gonna let you win. Okay, I'll let you get close, but I'm not gonna let you win at nothing. You know what I'm saying? Sure. Because that's not how life is. That's right. I'll let you get close so I don't kill your desire. But if you want to beat me, or or or, or if you're gonna be a winner," then you got to earn it. And uh, my daughter told me that the other day, that, you know, she reminded me of that. And sometimes you have to have your kids remind you of things that you taught them. So, I mean, they, so the hall of fame thing. So, I mean, you, you feel like you got to win one to get in the hall of fame? No. Okay. I don't even know. I, I, I passed about damn near everybody, but that's okay. And if I don't get it, I, I'm comfortable with my own skin, but I'm going to get it. Since it's here, I'd, like I said, I never thought about it till three or four years ago, ever. Never thought about it until all of a sudden, you know, when I was in Cincinnati, this was probably toward the end of Cincinnati, Rick Stowe, the clubhouse guy, right? Mm-hmm, right. He, he would come in my office and and bring me the lineup card off the wall. And he said, Dusty, you know, you passed another one. I said, what are you talking about? And he goes, well, you passed so-and-so or you passed so-and-so. And I, and then he's the guy that made me conscious of passing people and, and keeping, uh, you know, the lineup card. And uh, I don't know where I am right – what am I right now, well, 15, 16, yeah, yeah, 17? Yeah, yeah. Yep, and you're closing in on 1,900. This year you'll get to 1,900 wins. I mean, that's a yeah, lot of see, wins, man. That's a lot of wins. Yeah, well, I only, I only need like nine more, I think, to get <laughs> Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I well, hell, with the kind of team you got, maybe you get to 2,000. I mean, who knows? Well, we'll see. <laughs> All right, last two we'll questions. Your son, Darren. Yeah. Uh, I know he played at Cal, but there was no minor league yep. baseball last year. What, what's he doing now? Well, you know, he wanted to play minor league baseball last year, but it's like, again, uh, you know, he believes that sometimes it's a blessing in disguise, too, because they wouldn't have had minor league baseball. You know, there was no minor league baseball yeah. for him to go to. Yeah. And so uh, – um, um, now he's going to graduate in May, and he wouldn't have graduated. He'd had to go back and, and make a promise to me, just like I promised my mom I'd go back and finish, which I never did, because uh, sometimes life's responsibilities get in the way. And uh, so uh, he's going to play his senior year. Um, uh, he played in the Cape Cod League a couple of years ago, and uh, yesterday he told me that he was a preseason you know, All-American. And I was like, go ahead, son. And, yeah. and the fact – I always told him all the time that remember that you are a student athlete, not an athlete student. You're a student athlete. So I'm proud of him. And, uh, you know, he's worked his butt off while he was home. It was a blessing. His grades went up. He was home from March until two weeks ago. His grades went up. Um, he gained like, uh, 14 pounds. He was lifting every day. We were hitting in the cage and it was a blessing because, you know, man, you get to 2021, you don't be around your parents yeah, all the right. time. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. And so yeah. uh, uh, it was a blessing. I mean, the COVID situation, he had to stay home. I had to stay home once I got home. And so, you know, we worked. 
And so uh, you're going to see, uh, you know, hopefully he'll sign, you know, a high round draft choice. There's some people that, you know, have their eye on it, quite a few teams actually, and, and he wants it. And uh, I told him, if you want it, you got to work for it and you got to believe it. And your daughter Natasha's good. She's well. Oh, yeah. Tasha's good, man. She uh, blessed me with my first grandson. How about and, that? Uh, yeah, man, that is so nice. And, uh, you know, he was uh, uh, born on Martin Luther King's birthday. He was a year old, uh, wow. January the 15th. And so that's, you know, I believe in omens. I believe in numerology. And so, uh, you know, I think he's going to be great. I just don't know what at. And, uh, you know, he's a little character. I mean, he's kicking <laughs> a soccer ball around already. And uh, he's, he's walking. No, he's running now. And so, uh, but, boy, they sure grow fast. And, uh I'm looking forward to spending a lot of time with him. All right, last question, my man. I know you love the NFL, and you love football, all right? And, uh, yeah, yeah. You know, I call you a little bit of a front runner now because uh, – hey, yeah, by the okay. way, before I get to the football uh, yeah, I thing. I don't know. My son is the ultimate front runner. Hey, man, he'll be watching the football game, right? He has like 100 jerseys. He's watching the football game. He'll have one jersey on in the first half, and whoever's winning in the second <laughs> half, he'll come down from upstairs with that jersey on. Yeah, That's right, a front right, run. Hey, hey, God bless him. Hey, and by the way, yeah. before I ask you about the prediction, though, I want to tell you one thing. You mentioned about you mm-hmm. never finished your college degree, okay? Yeah. I got out two classes short in 1986 mm-hmm. from Ohio University, and I always promised my mom I'd go back and get it. She died. Did you get it? She died. And so I kept saying to myself over and over, I had moved to Chicago. I had moved to Arizona. I come back to Mm -hmm. Cincinnati, and just about uh, seven years ago, I finally got it. So don't give up on it. Congratulations. You you can get it. Thank you. All right. Now you're Super Bowl. You got got Tom Brady and the Buccaneers going up against Pat Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs, Dusty Baker. Who do you like? Well, I love uh, uh, Tom Brady. I mean, he's a winner, big time. Uh, I love the coach, uh, um, uh, Aaron. Aaron, what's the coach's yeah, name? Yeah, yeah, Bruce Arians. Yeah, Bruce Arians. Yeah, Arians. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I love Pat Mahomes, and I uh, uh, I love Andy Reid even more. Yeah. So I'm going with Kansas City. Okay. Close game, blowout. Yeah. What? Uh I don't know, man. It's hard to blow out, to have a blowout with uh, with Brady, uh, you know. But you can't let Kansas City get ahead of you. If you get ahead of you, it'll be a blowout because they got a bunch of weapons. So yeah, they do. Hey, man, I, I'm in the process of packing, getting, getting ready to go to Florida. So I'm I, I'm trying to do it every day so I can sit down and just have a scotch, me and my buddy uh, that I grew up with, and uh, watch the Super Bowl because see, the Super Bowl to me. Is the is when the when the last uh, uh, tick of the clock, when the Super Bowl ends, then baseball has officially started to me, and um, and then when the plane takes off, there ain't no coming back until until hopefully late October. So I'm going to enjoy uh, the Super Bowl like I do every one of them. Dusty, thank you so much for the time. Best to you and Melissa and your family and now your yep. grandson. And uh, God bless you. And uh, I, yep. I know there are a lot of people out there rooting for you to, to finally win that World Series and all of a sudden to become Houston Astros fans. Thank you for your time, my friend. I hear you, man. Well, good luck to you too, Tom. And tell, tell Marty 
I said hello, man. Like 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 Chris Byer says, Franchester. That's exactly <laughs> right, Franchester. That's exactly right. Dusty Baker, right, our guest Amanda, this week. Take care. On All dialed right. in with Tom Brenneman, and uh, we'll look forward to catching up with you next week. See ya. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.